You're listening to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. I'm Gandalf. And I'm Nathan Van Horn. The Bible is the most read book ever, but to some, it is merely fiction. Join our conversations as we connect the dots to reveal that the story of the Bible is not only true, it's better than fiction. To learn more about the show or to contact us directly, visit us online at www.betterthanfictionbiblepodcast.com. Welcome back, listener, to episode 71 of the Nathan and Gandalf show. No, I'm just kidding. It's the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. Uh, but but once again, we do come to you, Matt Liss. Bring on those three-star reviews. <laughs> <laughs> no, please. We haven't recovered from our one-star review still. <laughs> but speaking of which, we do really appreciate it when you guys um, give us five stars on whatever platform you're listening, be it Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast, or Spotify. Those things really help to boost the placement of the podcast and search results and um, the recommendations. We, we celebrated last week about getting recommended alongside, like, you know, the big boys, the Bible Project podcast. Like, if we if you ever see us next to, like, uh, the the Beth Moore podcast or like the Joel Olstein podcast. That's how you know we've made it to the top echelon of like most listened to podcasts. I don't think we're quite there yet. I, I think uh, those are two very different audiences. <laughs> they are, but not according to Spotify. Uh, the, oh. Spotify doesn't understand the uh, the nuance. That's there. a pre- just... that's a pretty generic grouping. <laughs> <laughs> Spotify is like, ah, eh, they're, they're talking to those Christians. Uh, put them on the same page. Lord of mercy. <laughs> Kyrie eleison. I don't even. I don't even know what that means. That just means Lord. That's have, what, it just means Lord have mercy. Okay. Well, see, that's why you're here, Nathan. There I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what those these things mean. Uh, that we we each bring something different to the podcast. I bring in you know the the layman's perspective. You know, you bring in like the the learned the learned scholar perspective, and Matt brings in the keeping it under thirty minutes perspective. The keeping on task perspective. And now he's not here. Hey, we came in under 30 minutes last time, didn't we? We did. I or think pretty the, close. I, pretty close. I, yeah, I think it was like almost exactly. It was like one, maybe like one or two seconds and, under uh, or over. And I will remind the audience that I was not part of the longest episode today. Yeah, Nathan was not there for the 42-minute episode. So maybe I'm wrong in my assessment. But It, in any it case, all goes back to earlier in uh, – I, I was – I had much less grayish, whitish hair then, but uh, early in pastoral ministry, a congregant uh, said, Brother Nathan, I promise never to complain that your sermon was too short. <laughs> uh, in other words, I was not struggling with that at the Indeed. That's a, that's a well, great way to tell your preacher he's long-winded. <laughs> well, let, let, it be a, let it be a mark of experience that we can consistently get the podcast under 30 minutes because you you would think that it would be hard to find enough to say but it's the opposite hey, did you true, did right? you say experience or editing <laughs> <laughs> well you know i won't take complete credit we're for not that. saying whose experience uh, well it uh it reminds That's, me of that uh you bring many to, you bring many things to the show but that may be the most important part yeah uh, you've got to know when to cut them know when to mute them <laughs> But in any case, one last thing to know when to take their stuff out of context and put it at the end of the episode. 
Um, Nathan, you just earned yourself a spot at the end of the episode. <laughs> uh, what that there may off- be there may be three hosts, but what? there's only one producer. <laughs> I say it often. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> but but wait, wait, wait. Before we get to the Kenny episode, Rogers one last fans, thing. I'm so sorry. We do have to say we appreciate you guys sending us uh, kind words of encouragement and uh, telling us about what you're getting out of the podcast at our website, better than fiction, biblepodcast.com. We read every single one of these, and um, I always get a big kick out of uh, getting them. Uh, I think a couple of weeks ago, I got I got a message from a listener at like 1 a.m. and my phone went off. And I, but you better believe I still sent it to Nathan and Matt, even though it was one a.m. And we didn't read uh, it till the following morning. <laughs> Nathan like rolls over in bed, sees that it's a text message from Gandalf, and goes ah, goes right back to no, goes man, right back to sleep. I've got that newborn dad sleep. Oh, that's right. Um, I have I have a baby, so sleep is so precious. <laughs> but our kids are good sleepers. But it's still you know we still have a baby. Um, yeah. So. All right. Well, with all that being said, and um, again, our, our prayers are with with Matt as he continues to recover from his uh, shoulder injury. Yeah. Which I'm just going to, from now on, I'm going to refer to it as like uh, his fishing injury. Just just to make it sound like he goes hard on that on that crappie fishing. Yeah, we're going to come up with like a legendary tale, you know, like kind of a, like a Moby Dick. This is his, you know... He had the ultimate fish, and then yeah, like like his his radar system was going crazy. Like he, he, the fish was so huge, um, and then it you know it took a toll, um, <laughs> and fist bump for Andrea, right? <laughs> um, That's right. Oh, so so our our first episode without Matt, we were like, we can do this. Now the second episode in a row, we're like, Matt, come home soon, come back to us. Yeah, uh, absolutely. We're we're six minutes in, and we haven't talked about anything. <laughs> All right. Well, with that being said, Nathan, what are we talking about today? We we're going to pick up where we la- uh, left off last time. Um, uh, the way that talking about something might, in fact, be talking about something else. You know, the whole okay. the whole Jaws music thing. Uh, if you just hear that music, I mean, you can. If someone's even seen Jaws one time, it's the brilliance of the movie. All you have to do is play that music. Like <laughs> I. You, I could, I am a grown man, and I could be in a swimming pool in someone's backyard. And if someone plays the Jaws music, I'm suddenly not sure whether or not there's a shark in that pool, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> like it, it can, it can overcome know. all of your rational faculties because the, because the, the, the song is so iconic, and the, and it just, it pervades the senses. Is that, I mean, is that fair? So I take it from that assessment that. We're going to be in chapter 15 of Genesis and verse 6. Yes, heaven forbid we should make unnecessary progress. We are back on brand. Yeah, that, this is the podcast the listeners know and love. You know, they, they thought we were going through the previous chapters too fast. Well, don't worry. This will now be like the fifth episode of verses 1 through 6. Is it really? Uh, yeah. Well, it may be to, more than that, actually. We, are, we, have, <laughs> we have to justify all the time I spent thinking about these passages in seminary. Um, that's really what it is. Uh, no, I, I want to come back to what I talked to, uh, talked to last week. Um, Abraham believes God and it's credited to him as righteousness. Mm-hmm. How is trusting God about having kids something that makes you righteous? Is that fair? Yeah. 
And why I, in the I, world? I, and why in the world when you get to the New Testament, and Paul is navigating Jew and Gentile being on common ground in Jesus Christ? Why does he make this the key Old Testament story upon which he builds? So, just to put this in perspective, in Romans, you know the the book of the New Testament that we go to to exposit the gospel, right? Right. Not only, like, just put this in perspective. Not only does Paul talk about Abraham before he talks about Adam. That's huge in and of itself, right? Yeah. Adam only gets half a chapter, uh, Romans 5, 12 through 21. Abraham gets a whole chapter, Romans 4, 1 through 25. Uh, and again, like I said last week, I would actually carry that on through 511 uh, for, for the Abraham thing. Um, so Abram gets at least twice as many, possibly three times as many verses as Adam does, and he talks about Abraham first. Um, why is that the case? How? What in the world does Abraham trusting God for him to have kids have to do with Jews and Gentiles putting their faith in Christ? What do you do with that? I mean, that's why you're here. I, I, I don't have the answer that you're looking for, Nathan. I have a feeling that you're going to uh, illuminate that for us. Um, well, and yeah, and, and again, back to our, um, uh, is it Jimmy and Jason that we responded to last week? That's correct. Yeah, back to them. I, I was so encouraged that their, I was so encouraged that their feedback to some of the episodes was, well, man, why didn't they mention these things? What about this passage? What about this passage? Because the more you study the Bible, the more, the more those connections start to stand out. Um, so let's talk about Genesis 15, 6 by looking at Romans chapter 4. And we don't have time, we don't have time to work our way through the whole chapter. I'd really love to look at Romans uh one through four in terms of the chapters, but we'll have plenty of time in you know 2045 when we make our way to Romans. In the year 2525, if man is the, still alive. If the podcast is can, still alive. If the podcast can survive, that's it. Um, <laughs> they may find. Um, check out Romans 4. Let's start around uh, 13. Let's do 13. 13? You want me to read and it again? comes straight. Yeah. Read Romans 4, 13 through 20... Oh, gosh. <laughs> two. Through, through okay. 22. Through 22. All right. And as always, this is from the English Standard Version. For the promise of Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs... Faith is null and the promise is void, for the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to the one who, who shares the faith of Abraham. For it is the father of us all, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence things that do not exist. In hopes he, in hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. 
He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. So this verse that we read is an exposition of the New Testament gospel is actually an explanation of an Old Testament passage. Mm. Isn't that interesting? Yep. He's, go- he's going back to the start. The, uh, Did you like that, Nathan? I really want to edit one episode. Who knows what you would say that I would put at the end. <laughs> that's like If that's like my, my evil supervillain origin story, it starts with editing an episode of the Better Than Fiction Bible podcast. So let's come straight to verse 13. For the okay. promise. What promise? When you hear of Abraham and a promise, what promise to Abraham? You're t- thinking about um, having n- numerous offsprings, a great nation. And again, what's the catch? He's old and his wife is? Barren. Barren. Uh, and for in Paul's context, this is all before the law. You know, the, the Jews in Paul's uh, day struggled with these Gentile God-fearers coming to Christ if they're serious about... Uh, coming to Christ, why aren't they willing to be Jewish first? And part of Paul's point with Abraham is that Abraham was credited righteousness in Genesis 15 before circumcision in Genesis 17. So it was a faith, not law, that brought about his justification. Fair? Mm-hmm. And, Fair. Yeah. And, and here's a catch for Paul. If Abraham believed God and was credited to righteousness before he was circumcised, that's not a very Jewish thing. Abraham was essentially a... Gentile. Ding, ding, ding. So there's a lot of fun to have with that in Romans. Oh, I, you better believe that that like the Jewish equivalent of Will Smith was walking up on stage. Oh, slapping Paul too when soon. He heard that. Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> that gives uh, the listener an idea of when this is being recorded. <laughs> no, that's right. Uh, well, no. So here's, you know, in Romans 2, just to the point I just made, um, in Romans 2.14, Paul says something that perplexes a lot of scholars. He says, For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus." How in the world can Paul float the idea of a Gentile who does not have the law nevertheless doing what the law requires? Does he have I at mean, least one example of that? Yeah, he, he. I mean, he has a big example. He can point to Abraham. The example, exactly. Uh, and you'd be amazed at how much wrestling with that uh, – that single verse you see in commentaries, because they they come at it as a system rather than as a story. Um, so, ding, ding, ding. So, if Abraham was justified works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the Scripture say? When we're down in chapter 4, 13, verse following of Romans, again, we've just come from chapter 2, uh, that kind of hints at, uh, you know, someone, even a Gentile, doing something outside of the law that would put them in right standing with God. And for Abraham, it puts all that in the language of this promise and the language of heirs and inheritance, right? Language that will carry Paul all the way through chapter 8, for the record. Uh, for the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. This is why it depends on faith. Again, when's the first time we see the language of faith in the biblical story? 
I mean, is it, it's is it, it Abraham? It, yeah, this is why it depends on faith, and it goes right back to associating that with the promise and grace um, and being guaranteed to all his, his offspring. It all hinges on God promising Abraham children. So what is the gospel link between what God has done for Abraham and what God has done in Jesus. That's that's what Paul is wrestling with, not as a system, but as a story. How, how in the world? This is the how are people saved in the Old Testament. How could Abraham have the right kind of faith in God before Abraham ever heard the gospel about Jesus? Is that fair? Yeah. And I and I well, think and I think you see it in the verses that follow. Um this is why it depends on faith in order that the promise, the promise about kids, may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed. So faith language. And what does it say about this God? He gives life, he gives to, life the to the dead. dead. And calls things into existence that do not exist. Okay, so let's start with the second one. When you think about God calling things into existence that do not yet exist, what story do you think of? Uh, creation. Ding, ding, ding. So this is the God who, on the one hand, this is why the Bible starts where it does, right? This is why, mm-hmm. you know, we, we talked a lot about living the Exodus while you're reading Genesis. If God is not inspiring Scripture until the time of Moses, why tell the story the way that you're telling? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Um, because it's important at all times in the smallest or biggest dealings that God has moving forward to remember at all time that this character and this character alone operates with the power of a creator. And hand in hand with that, he gives life to the dead. Now, when you hear of giving life to the dead, what comes to your mind? Jesus. Jesus. Why did which you, it's actually wh- it's why, actually uh, why did but why say why why would you say Jesus instead of maybe Abraham and Sarah? What's well sto- you see what I'm saying? What's yeah, sto- well you, you, what you know, story? I, was, I was actually go ahead, go ahead. Uh, I was actually about to bring up but Paul even talks about Abraham's body being as good as dead. Yeah, and that's I, I really don't love that translation. It says that in hope he believed in hope that he should become the father of many nations, uh, as he had been told, so your offspring will be. He did not weaken in his faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old. In Greek, it doesn't say uh, which was as good as dead. It says nenekromenos, good and dead, already having died. It's a past perfect, I mean, it's a perfect passive participle. Already oh, having, so it's so it's even more emphatic than as good yeah, as dead. It's all, deader all, than that. Already having been put to death. Uh, not not as good as did. It's 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 yeah. That's it. It's it's not idiomatic. It's emphatic. To your point, yeah. So Abraham considered his own body as already having been put to death because he was a hundred, and they don't have you don't have kids then, right? Right. And he also considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. Again, how and and by the way, in in the Greek, that's not uh, the barrenness; it's the deadness. Deadness. <laughs> yeah. My the the Bible that I'm online right now makes that note. Yeah, it's it's literally the deadness of her womb. No unbe- he did not waver in unbelief but was strengthened in his faith con- uh, concerning the promise of God. He grew strong in his faith and he gave glory to God. Why? 
because he was convinced that what God had promised, he was also able to do. He believed that God was able to do what he had promised. This is the creation and covenant link. In creation, how does God create, Gandalf? Uh, he, he speaks. He speaks. And when God speaks, something happens, right? That's right. That's right. So what happens if God makes a promise? It's, it's, you can take it to the bank on that one. That's it. God never speaks without something happening. Like this is that whole, the, the, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but what? The word of our Lord endures forever. That's right. The word of the Lord stands forever. If God says it, it is going to happen. And Abraham, uh, Abraham's faith is Abraham responding to God's word the way that creation did in Genesis 1. Abraham responds to God's covenantal promise the way that creation responded to God's word in, in, in creation. So Abraham and this promise concerning his heirs lies at the intersection of a God who has the power of a creation, creator and the promises of his covenant. And mm -hmm. what does it take for God to fulfill his promise to Abraham? Why does Paul use this as the key Old Testament gospel link in this big gospel book of Romans? Because in order to God, for God to fulfill his promise of Abraham to Abraham, he had to take something dead and do what? Bring it to life. Make it alive. I love that, dude. You'll, the the Man, day that's the day that's that, incredible. Yeah, the day that that came. Uh, this so to to the listeners who wrote in that email. The day I was, I'll never forget the day I was uh, riding with my uh, wife. We were in the car, and I was trying to read Romans one through eight in Greek on the car ride, and I got to Romans four. And like that little epiphany hit me. And I mean, it just, it was a change the way you read the Bible day. Uh, just because it changed the questions you bring. Why in the world would they quote that Old Testament passage here? Uh, why in the world do you see these clusters of Old Testament ideas or these allusions to these stories? It was just a game changer. Uh, it was the birth of anything I contribute to uh, this podcast. Uh, yeah, there is a resurrection logic to Abraham's faith. In other words, this is the tie in what God is doing in Jesus goes all the way back to Genesis 1. Uh, uh, this is the tie that what God is doing in Jesus is in a real sense fulfilling a promise made to Abraham as early as Genesis 12 and reiterated in Genesis 15. Um, I love that. Yeah, that's incredible. So a Abraham believed, or Abram at this point, believed that God had the ability to bring to life what is dead, as Paul says here, his own body, which, what did you say? It's not as good as dead. What did you say? The necromenos, already having been put to death. Already having been put a to death. A perfect so, passive participle. Say that three times fast. Perfect passive participle. And perfect again, 20, 20, verse 22 makes this explicitly clear, you know, following up with 21, fully convinced that, what God, that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why faith was counted to him as righteousness. We don't stop and ask that question. Faith about what? Faith in what? Uh, why, why this faith? But Paul makes it explicitly clear in, in Romans uh, 4, 13 through 22. And look look how he builds a bridge in 23 through 25 from Abraham's faith to ours. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will also be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Isn't that interesting? Mm. 
Uh, and by yeah. the way, you know, and I tried not to go here. I didn't realize until I listened to the episode a couple of episodes ago when we were talking about uh, counting the stars. Yeah. I did not realize until I listened to the episode. I didn't hear it in the moment when we recorded. Uh, Matt said this is glorification language, right? That's right. I remember. Where where will Paul go in Romans 8? Romans 8. Yeah, so think uh, think about those very familiar verses, Romans eight twenty eight, following, right? We know that what for those who oh, love God, all things work all together things for work good. Together and you can good. translate that either way. You can also say, and we also know that God works all things together for good for those who are, uh, love Him and are called according to His purpose. And then what does He say? For those He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. When you hear firstborn among many brothers, what's the first time in Scripture that's a big deal? You should be thinking about Abraham. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. When's the first time we see justification language? Abraham. With Abraham, yeah. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. And what do we say has the language of glorification? Shining like stars. Isn't that interesting? Abraham. It's not, it doesn't all come back to Yertle the turtle. It all comes back to Abraham. Uh, Yertle the turtle must fall, dude. Um, <laughs> well, and here's what I want to catch. And I, I, Matt's not here, so I can do a spoiler alert, and we'll come back to it when we get to Genesis 22. Look at Romans 1, uh, 8, 31 and 32. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Uh, you know, a few chapters later in Genesis, God will call Abraham to sacrifice his own son, but does not mm -hmm. ultimately require Abraham's son, right? That's right. By but, the way, we'll by actually, the way, do you remember well, Genesis yeah. two twenty two? You you keep having the reiteration of Yaktov. The two of them went off together. Yaktov in Hebrew. Um, uh, <laughs> Abraham doesn't say "I'll be back." Abraham says "We'll be back," even though he's been called to go sacrifice, kill Isaac. How in the world? Can Abraham uh, trust that they'll be back together even if he kills Isaac? Because well, I mean, it, he, he knows God's going to work something here. It wouldn't be the first time God took something dead and made it alive. <laughs> He's already seen it, right? Mm -hmm. Isn't that interesting? That is interesting. Um, and it, man, it just changes the way you read Genesis 22. Um, and, and I can't I think, wait till we get there. Oh, I can't either because I'm going to expand on that a lot more. But look what he's saying. Uh, Romans 8.32 is almost a direct quotation of two verses in Genesis, uh, Genesis 22. Now I know that you fear God because you have not spared or withheld your only son. I love Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son. He's not talking about Abraham. Now he's talking about God, but gave him up for us all. Ultimately, the promises to Abraham come to fruition, not because of what God requires Abraham to do with his son, but because of what God does with his own son. God gives mm -hmm. us in Jesus what he never required of Abraham because that's the God we're dealing with. That's I the that, that's man. the goodness of this God. All right, so to answer your question from last episode, how was Abraham saved before Jesus? I guess the answer is the same way modern Christians are because we both believe that God has the power to bring to life that that was dead. Yeah. Is that fair? It, it, it's believing that this God who has the power of a creator, nevertheless, is serious enough about his covenants that he'll keep his promises, even to 
the point of taking things that have died, uh, even to the point of taking something that doesn't exist and calling it into existence or taking something dead and making it alive. That's, I'm thinking of that's, taking that, taking that, uh, that dust from outside the garden. Mm, mm, my man, my man. <laughs> I, uh, I quote it's Ralph like, Wiggles. It's, it's like uh, you've been, I'm learning. <laughs> it's like you've been paying attention this whole time, amigo. <laughs> it's like I, it's like I've been the producer of this show for 71 episodes. <laughs> man, that is awesome. That is fantastic. It's it's like we always say, or you guys always say, it's always more, not less. Yeah, I just I was talking to someone the other day, and uh, I really do. Uh, we all really do. We learn new stuff every single week studying for this podcast. We say it all the time because we mean it all the time. I've learned so many things on this, but the more you study the great complexities, I love what Matt says. There's a simplicity on the other side of complexity. Anyone can work an iPhone, but very few people know how an iPhone works. And mm. I, I guess for me, the simplicity on the other side of complexity is that, man, God really is so much better than we believe him to be. I mean, we've learned that just seeing uh, seeing all the goodness. Uh, you know, we talk about the flood, we talk about Babel, and then we, uh, as you talked about the longness of nose that God has. The long of nostrils, yeah. That's it, the long of nostril. Um, mm, so... Too good to not believe, man. What Too a good to not what, believe. What a beautiful story. And listener, if you would like to continue hearing about this story, we urge you to like and subscribe to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast, where every Tuesday morning we're going to talk about a new piece of the story. We, we may be in, in this chapter of Genesis for a while. And uh, once, we, once we get to Romans, we may be in there you know, for the rest of our lives. We'll, but, ne- we'll never get to Romans. That's such, <laughs> Let's be real. We're not wish- At this rate, we'll be happy to make it out of Genesis. But we're going to take our time. <laughs> yep. And uh, we hope that you're joining us every Tuesday morning. And until then, you guys have a great week. And we'll see you back here next time. Insert Matt saying, see you next time. So I can say, shalom. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. But we will still not be in Romans at that point.